Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will... This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. All right, as we are live from Radio Row at CPAC 2024, I'm so excited. One of the smartest legal minds ever. And he's been on the show before. He's been generous with his time. But now he's in person with me. Hans von Spakovsky, and I nailed it. Senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. Hans, Bobby, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great, and it is nice to actually see you when I'm talking yeah, to you, you know, nice. in person. We have a lot to chat about. Yeah, there is. there's so much going on. You know, the Biden administration is so bad that if, if I could stay awake 24 hours a day... <laughs> Seven days a week and write about all the stuff they're doing. I still couldn't keep up with it. No, you could not. Right. Uh, let's talk about the 25th Amendment. I heard sure. a lot about the 25th Amendment when Trump right. was president. I remember one of my favorite lines was um, the guy who wrote that book, Fire and Fury, and he was on with uh, the unbiased journalist, George Stephanopoulos, and he was going on about, you know, they would sit around and say, is the 25th Amendment bad? You know, there was all the rumors about uh, it seems like this president might actually qualify for the 25th Amendment. Yeah, it, you know, those, those attempts with Trump were just ridiculous. They, they were trying to say that because they disagreed with him on policy, yeah. they ought to use it. No. The 25th Amendment was passed so that if a president becomes physically or mentally unable to carry out the duties of his office, um, then you can replace him with the vice president as the acting president. And the way to think about this is, is easy. Um, look, this was intended to correct something that happened in our history. And, and I wonder whether people realize how, I, you, know, you have to wonder, is history repeating itself? In 1919, President Wilson suffered... The worst suffered, president of, yeah, ever. In 1919, he suffered a severe stroke. It was so bad that um, I think he, he basically was mentally incapable 
of doing anything because he was virtually in a coma. His wife hid this from Congress, the public, even members of his own staff. She would go into the bedroom where he was lying in bed and then later come out and say, well, uh, President Wilson said we should do this, this, and that. Hmm. And, and nobody really found out about this until many years later. And the 25th Amendment is supposed to take care of that. In essence, if the vice president and a majority of the cabinet officials send written notice to Congress that the president is unable to carry out his duties, then the vice president becomes acting president. Now, you and I both know they're never going to do that. No. No. And even if they did... Uh, remember what happened at the press conference that um, Biden, his disastrous press conference that he held right after that special counsel's report yeah. out? He got visibly angry at anyone questioning his abilities. So even if, even if the vice president did this, he clearly would object. Right. If a president objects, then Congress has to have a vote. And it takes a two-thirds vote of each house to say... The president should be removed. Now, you know that's not going to happen. Either. No, no. <laughs> no way. No. So basically, there's no chance we're getting a 25th Amendment and removal there, of Joe Biden here. There, and listen, unless, and I certainly don't wish this, but unless Joe Biden falls over on stage and goes into a coma, it's not going to happen. Let me ask you, can a president and vice president be from the same state? No. Okay. No, the Constitution specifically says that can't happen. So there, there, there's no chance of a Trump-DeSantis ticket, then? I, no, I don't think so, no. Okay. All right. I mean, probably not for a lot of other reasons, but, you know, since that's come up, right? Uh, and I wanted to point that out, that the Constitution does forbid that, because it's, the vice exactly president right. is considered part of the office of the president, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So let's turn to some other things. Let's start with Pennsylvania, if we could. Uh, a lot of people in Pennsylvania are very, very nervous about the election coming up for a lot of right. reasons, right? I mean, you can leave aside questions about cheating and all the other stuff. What we do know is that in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said, hey, mail-in ballots, we can, we can have them days later, uh, no date, no signature, no postmark, it's all good. Completely usurping the will of the legislature. I mean, literally just making it up as they went along. And the issue has not been resolved yet because right now the U.S. Appeals Court will decide if Pennsylvania mail-in ballots with the wrong date still count. Right. And I think we also have the question of whether or not they have to be signed and all that's still out there. So where does that stand? Uh, they just had arguments in the uh, Third Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. You had a, a bad federal district court decision. Um, so we're now just waiting for that Court of Appeals to make a decision. Hopefully they will do it quickly, knowing that we're in the middle of election season. But Look, what's happening, not just in Pennsylvania, but in all these other cases, is um, they're trying to use this decades-old provision from the Civil Rights Act, which hasn't been used in a very long time, to basically change all the rules that Democrats don't like in elections. And, you know, they're attacking things like saying, oh, doing signature comparison, which is one of the few things you can do with absentee ballots, uh, that that's discriminatory and unimportant and therefore you shouldn't be able to enforce it. They're really doing everything they can to make elections as insecure as possible. It's frustrating because Republicans are going into this election still believing that there's a high probability it's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans going on. And until we, we can get over that fact, I, I worry that people are going to just stay home. 
these, these issues have to be resolved, but the Democrats don't want to resolve them. They want this stuff to be as open as possible. I mean, that's, I think, a big part of the problem. Same with the, with the dates. You know, in Pennsylvania, it says the ballot has to be signed, has to be dated, right. has to be in the envelope. It's all laid out. But the court says, ah, we don't care. And that issue has yet to be resolved. But And it's probably not going to be resolved by November. So we could be in the same situation in November of 2024. Uh, un- unfortunately, that's true. And one of the reasons for that is you've also got bad, if I could say this, bad judges you on, on your state Supreme <laughs> They're Court. They're terrible. Who, who, whose job it is is to say, well, this is the law passed by the legislature, therefore you have to abide by it. Right. Where, where do they think they get the power to say, oh, you, you don't have to abide by that law? It's like they think they're a super legislature mm-hmm. as opposed to being a judicial court who's supposed to apply the law uh, as, as it's passed. And, and something as simple as a mail-in ballot with a date and a postmark so that we can know that the person voted by election day. Exactly right. And that we, because you know, the old saying, and this is what people say, and I mean, I grew up doing Jersey politics, Philly politics was, tell me how many votes you need, we'll get you the votes. <laughs> and, and the problem is if all these ballots show up on Friday and they don't have uh, dates on them, right. of course people are going to think there's cheating that's happening. Right. If it just so happens, like, oh, we need 100, oh, here's 102, you know, it just shows up. And that causes people to completely lose trust in the, in the system. Yeah, I, I would say, I would tell folks, though, uh, look, a lot of this depends, unfortunately, on which state you're in. And many states actually have improved things since the 2020 election. Mm-hmm. You know, a number of states passed big reform packages to try to fix some of the vulnerabilities in, in the system. And to give you just an example of this, look, Georgia had a good voter ID law, but it only applied to in-person voting. And what happened, of course, in 2020, the left said, oh, because of COVID, everybody has to vote by mail. And so the number of people voting by mail, including in Pennsylvania, went way up. So what did Georgia do? Georgia passed a law that said uh, our voter ID requirement now extends to absentee ballots. Mm -hmm. Does that cut cut all the potential fraud out? No, but it makes it harder to commit and increases the security of the election process. Well, that's good. That's some good news, Hans. It is. Um, Hans von Spokarski is with me. It's great to have him here. And Let's talk about Trump. Which which legal case should we start with, Hans? Where where do you want to begin? Boy, isn't that that the very fact that there are so many cases going on is is what tells the American people that uh, these cases these are these are political cases. Uh, almost every one of them is is really a bogus case, or there's a a dual system going on, and the dual system is represented by the classified documents case, right? Donald Trump is being criminally prosecuted, if you can believe it, under the Espionage Act, right? For willfully retaining classified documents after he left office. Well, what did the special counsel just find on Joe Biden? If you read the report, which I actually have, I get paid to do that. (laughs) Uh, It says... Joe Biden willfully retained classified documents after he left the office of vice president. Oh, but we don't think he should be prosecuted. Right. I, you cannot you cannot balance those 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 two without realizing uh, the folks who now have control of the U.S. Justice Department under Joe Biden uh, believe that Justice Department should be used to go after their political enemies and not their political friends. And you know, Hans, when I was in college, I learned that that's the very definition of a police state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, literally. It, it, no, I think it is. And, and look, that judgment, the 300, 
$55 million judgment in New York. The law that was used is so vague and so broad. It, it's one of the most bizarre state laws I've ever seen. It gives prosecutors a license to go after anyone they don't like politically, particularly in a case where, look, all of that money, it's not going to any victims because there are no victims right. in the case. In fact, the very sophisticated banks who were involved in lending money to Trump, uh, they all got paid back, they all made a profit, and they've all indicated they'd love to keep doing business with him. Yeah. And yet, that's the supposed fraud. That kind of confiscation of personal wealth is also something that goes on in places like Venezuela and Nicaragua, mm -hmm. third, third world countries, and yet we're seeing it happening here. Let's talk about that statute in New York. It's mind-blowing. I mean, you don't have to have intensity to fraud. You don't even have to right. have any actual victims. And I, I don't know, but it seems to me like there was zero due process here. The judge just decided his guilt, and this wasn't a trial. This was a determination of how much money yes. they were going to steal from the guy. Yeah, he, he determines he's guilty before the trial yeah. even starts. And look, if you read through the 92-page opinion, uh, don't do it. it but, no, but I, it, I don't get paid to do that, yeah, so right, I'll okay. leave that to you, Hans. There's all these personal digs and shots at, at Trump. Yeah, and and that is so inappropriate uh, in a case like this. By the way, remember in that case, what did that judge do? He f he imposed big fines on Donald Donald Trump for his behavior in the courtroom of of uh, talking back and arguing. Right. Well, what did we just see last week in Georgia <laughs> right. when Fannie Willis, the prosecutor, came into the courtroom? Her behavior was ten times worse. Mm -hmm. Then what Donald Trump did, and but did the judge hold her in contempt? Did he fine her for it? Why, no, nothing happened. Again, it's like we have a double justice system. And I'm told the dress was on backwards. I don't know. I don't wear dresses. That's what I'm told. <laughs> and the breaking news today is that the text messages between Fawny Willis and Nathan Wade seems to suggest this, this relationship is going on much longer than she said on the stand. I mean, there's real questions of perjury here committed by these two. But a question that I have for you, though, which is, which is this. I mean, if Georgia, I think, I think that case falls apart. I, I mean, I, I, my opinion is they're going to have to say there's a conflict here, and then I think the case is, is over. Obviously, New York's civil. The Stormy Daniels thing is not going to be the kind of thing that results in him actually facing jail time. The, so the big question still remains on the federal level regarding right. the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Now... I have a real fear that Jack Smith, the special counsel, is going to add charges to Trump and to say that he gave aid and comfort to those committing an insurrection, the Proud Boys, seditious conspiracy, so that they can actually make a, a, a 14th Amendment Section 3 argument that he really is disqualified. I hope the Supreme Court addresses the fact that it doesn't say the word president in it. It gave me great hope that right. Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson, pointed it out and said, if there's any ambiguity, shouldn't we err on the side right. of democracy? But they're so hell-bent on getting the guy. I mean, I could see them trying to go down that road so that they can say, you know, indisputably, he's barred from running under the 14th Amendment. Do you hope the Supreme Court comes back and settles that question as to whether or not the president is included in that? And oh, do you think they oh, will? Yeah. yeah, no, I think they will. There, look, there's at least six different legal reasons why the Supreme Court should say that this doesn't apply to Donald Trump. Um, I, I think they're going to come out with a decision that uh, overturns Colorado, and I think it'll be a decision that will also wipe out 
all the other challenges in all the other states. And I don't, I don't think, that, I think the decision will be such that it'll make it impossible for Jack Smith to somehow add new charges so that the 14th Amendment can then be used. Good. That makes me happy, Hans. That makes me very, very happy. Um, Hans, I want to ask you, too. I mean, you're such a great legal mind, and it's great to have you on the show. And again, Hans von Spakovsky is with me. He is a senior legal fellow in the Heritage Foundation's Edwin Meese III Center for Legal and Judicial Studies. When we think about the notion of due process in this country, and we, we think about just this kind of... We're seeing more and more instances around the country of the government using law against people without really right. true due process. Um, the newest one now, and I know that you had a conversation about this with my buddy Michael Pelka, where they want to go after small businesses now, I, I guess for, for, for defamation, which sounds to me like a, an absolute nightmare that could occur as well, where they want to start punishing small businesses. I mean, it seems like we just live in a country right now where we want to weaponize the Justice Department to go against everybody we possibly can. Businesses, big, small, you know, whether oil companies, uh, gun companies, obviously presidential candidates. And it, a lot of it also has to do with the fact that I think this government loves to intimidate people. Oh, that's, you know? yeah, absolutely. I mean, we just saw our friend Mark Kalk walk by as a local guy. I know you're familiar with the case, Bucks County. They charged him with, uh, you know, assault outside of a Planned Parenthood clinic. Right. It was such a bogus case that even Philadelphia's progressive lunatic prosecutor, Larry Krasner, would not bring charges. Right. And a jury, jury throughout the case. Right. And But they do it anyway because there's no ramifications if they show up at your door and shackle and chain you and bring you right. out. It's intimidation. No, that is exactly what's going on. And I will tell you that, for example, that that particular case was brought by the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, where I used to work. I know the political appointee who heads up that Oh, she terrifies me. You know her? Oh, I know her. And she is the most radical left-wing ideologue I think I've ever encountered in Washington. And she has no... No compunction whatsoever about using the Justice Department's power to harass and intimidate anyone, and you can see that in that in that particular uh, case. And look, this is a woman who. Do you know what she did when she was at Harvard University? No. When she was at Harvard University, she wrote a letter to the Harvard Crimson, which was published, in which she said. Black Americans are mentally and physically superior because your intelligence depends on uh, how much pigment you have in your skin, and the more you have, the smarter you are. She, it was one of the most racist things I've ever wow. heard. She wow. published this in the Harvard Crimson, and yet she was confirmed by the United States Senate to be the head of the Civil Rights Division. <laughs> And she's, I know, people think I'm joking when I say that. No, no. You can you can look it up. You can read her letter. And she's as radical as you come. And yes. she hates pro-lifers. And she hates yes. pregnancy crisis centers. And she is using her office against them. Also, how about the fact that they're going after Tennessee for their law that says, Oh, my goodness. If you... <laughs> If you knowingly engage in paid sex and you and you know you have HIV, that that's a crime. Somehow that's discrimination. Yeah, that is one of the dumbest, most frivolous suits. <laughs> but it shows you how the people in the civil rights yeah. division think. And look, it has long been the law that if you intentionally, you know you have a disease and you intentionally infect someone, well, of course you can be prosecuted for that. Yet, 
If it's HIV, why, why suddenly it's, it's discrimination? Yeah, but meanwhile, if you've got COVID and you walk around without a mask on, they'll try to lock you up, <laughs> send you down to a, a CIA black site, you know? That's the, that's the difference right there. Right. How do we, how do we reform it? I mean, that's, that's the thing. You're an optimistic guy. You work at the Heritage Foundation. Look, the only, first of all, the federal government is too big. Yes. It needs to be radically downsized uh, because the less resources they have, the less time they have to spend on this. You've got to get a president in who is willing to make heads roll at the FBI and the Justice Department. And that means firing large numbers of people and then putting in the kind of reforms that won't let uh, this kind of politics happen again. Look, in the case you were just talking about in Philly, uh, where the FBI showed up with guns drawn... Mm -hmm. Sunday morning. uh, Sunday morning... Uh, for someone who had no criminal record of any kind, whose lawyer had said, listen, I, I, my, my client will be happy to show up and surrender. Who made the decision for the FBI to show up there? The head of the FBI, the director, and the special agent in charge of the F, uh, FBI office in Philadelphia. Neither one of them should have a job. I agree. When we think about reforming the executive branch and the vision 2025 that you guys are working on at the Heritage Foundation, I I love the people that scream that it's going to make Trump a dictator. First of all, if he's a dictator, I just want to say he's the worst dictator ever because he left the White House. I mean, typically dictators don't leave. They don't leave and go, oh, shoot, I changed my mind. I want to come back. I mean, there's never, never been a dictator who actually left and then fought to come back. That's number one. But number two, I mean, to think that some... If I'm... If I'm at work every day trying to undermine my company, I'm going to lose my job. There are people in the executive branch who work for the president of the United States. They don't work for America. They work for the president. Their job is there to support the president. As you know, Article 2 gives the power of the presidency to the president, not a bunch of other people. It's him. Everything flows through him. Yet they're there. They can undermine his agenda. And that's insane to me, and with no ramifications whatsoever. No, no, and that's the, the, look. The, the one of the biggest problems we have is what everybody calls the administrative state, which is look. Ninety-nine percent of the people who work in the federal government are career civil servants who a president can't fire when they do everything they can to prevent him from being able to to, to carry out his policy priorities, like actually enforcing our immigration laws. Right, right. <laughs> or you got some wacko at the EPA who figures, listen, I'll outlast the president. I'll outlast the administrator. Right. I've been here I, I've been here 20 years, so I'm going to move forward with my green climate change agenda, and I'm going to promulgate rules, and I don't really care because I'll be here longer than you. I mean, that's the mindset these people have. No, it, it is. And so I will ban the gas stoves yeah. that so many Americans use in their kitchens and the chefs love because they're the best stoves around. I'm just going to get rid of those. And that's what Richard Trumka Jr. tried to do at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. And everybody said it was a conspiracy theory. And it wasn't. He fully believed he had the power to do it. And you know what? He probably does have the power to do it. That's the scary part because we don't live in a country where Congress actually passes laws anymore. We just promulgate rules. And if Congress doesn't like it, they have to pass a law to undo a rule. It's so mind-boggling you can't even, you know, comprehend it. Yeah, no, that's a problem. And that's why the best thing that could happen in America would be if the federal budget was cut by about 40 percent mm-hmm. and and big departments like the Department of Justice had their personnel cut in half. I agree. And I, one thing I do disagree with Donald Trump on is I don't want the 
FBI to have a big new shiny headquarters. I, I, I want right. to see it downsized. <laughs> I really do. Uh, last question for you. Let's assume, for sake of argument, they do find Trump guilty in Georgia, and he's locked up in the Georgia State Penitentiary, and it's Inauguration Day. Do the Navy SEALs go in there and rescue him and pull him out of that Georgia State Penitentiary? And is there a standoff? And can we make a movie out of this? Because I think this is a hell of a plot, Hans. Well, it, it's an interesting And can the situation. bad guy be named Hans? I, I, look, I will tell you this. What? That, um... Can the warden be, be a Hans? Be, be, I can don't know Bruce Willis rescue the president? Yeah, Come on, you know where I'm going with this, yeah, Hans. Come on. Come no, on. I don't think they can do that. But <laughs> being convicted in a state first, a supposed state crime like that, would not would neither prevent constitutionally prevent him from getting elected, and it can't prevent him from serving as president. So they'd have to let him out of prison. I don't know if they'd have to let him out of prison, 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 but they couldn't prevent him from becoming president. So he could be president in prison. Yeah. I think you got to bust him out. I think we do a whole thing on this. It'd be great. <laughs> SEAL Team 6 goes in there, you know, in the middle of the night. They have a, it'd be like The Rock. Remember the movie The Rock yeah, yeah, with Sean Connery? Right. Oh, it'd be great. It'd be so much fun to watch. It's as ridiculous as the notion of him being found guilty, which is why I'm having fun with it. Yeah. Hans, uh, anything else that you think we should know about in the world of uh, crime, justice, law, all of it? Well, the one thing is that uh, you know, Schumer, they're come, the Senate comes back next week. They're talking about, Schumer's talking about just ignoring the articles of impeachment for Alexander Mayorkas. They should not do that. They should hold a trial. This mm-hmm. guy is responsible for the worst border crisis in U.S. history. And to just ignore it would be real betrayal of their constitutional duty. Oh, I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not ask you this, this, this point about presidential immunity. Because obviously I, I think the oh, Supreme yeah. Court is going to take the appeal on this. Uh, when we're talking about the idea of holding a president criminally liable right. for the actions of president and then how we distinguish between whether or not it's the acting as president or not acting as president, I mean, from my perspective, when Barack Obama ordered those drone strikes against American citizens on foreign soil, I didn't like it, but they argued it was legal. What if I'm a U.S. attorney and I decide I'm charging him with murder because there's no statute of no. limitations on murder? Oh, no, that look, that's exactly right. Th- Look at the situation this way. A president orders drone strikes. It kills terrorists, but unfortunately also kills some civilians. A new president comes in and says, you know, I don't think that was justified. Uh I'm ordering my attorney general to criminally prosecute the former president for murder. If there's no presidential immunity, there's nothing to stop that. And what does that mean? It means presidents are going to be afraid to take the actions needed to protect the country. Or what if you take somebody, I mean, really, and, and, and you put them into a CIA black site and somebody charges right. the president with kidnapping? I mean, you yeah. know, it's absurd, it's ludicrous, but the problem is that it's going to create a precedent whereby every president, when they leave office, is going to be, I'm sure they all skirt the law in so many different ways that we never even know about, let alone actually break it, that I'm sure that, that that's going to be a thing where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm going to find something that I can charge you with as a former president, and yeah, it would be insane. No, no, you're, you're right. And the folks who think there should be no immunity, they're so blinded by their hatred of Trump yeah. that they're not thinking about what this means down the road. All right, la- I said last question, but you're so generous with your time. Last, last question. <laughs> Does the court, though, need to distinguish between what is presidential, the duties of president and versus him acting in his personal capacity, in that sense, for criminal prosecution? Or do you just leave it to Congress, because that's Article One and that's the impeachment clause, and that's the end of it? I don't know. I think they probably should leave it to Congress. You know, the one area where the Supreme Court has previously ruled is they've said a president is immune from civil liability. Is immune? Is immune from civil liability. Right. And there they don't really 
distinguish. If you do something while you're in office, uh, whether they should draw a line with criminal, I, I don't know. That's a good question. My opinion is that if Congress felt that the actions, whether personal or private, um, rose to the level, then that's what they should do is impeach him. If somebody comes in and says, well, they didn't know about it, it came out after he left, I'd say, well, tough noogies. I mean, that's just how it works. Right, right. And that, look, impeachment was what the founders put in to take care of a president who misbehaves. Hans, always appreciate it. Thanks for Hans having me. Von, Hans von Spakovsky, I appreciate it, my friend. You have a great rest of your day. All righty. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you so much. As we continue along here live from Radio Row at CPAC, it is the big story of the day today brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. Go see him today for your perfect smile. Coming up, a special replay of our interview with our friend and potential vice presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard. That will be up for you to hear next as we continue and conclude our live show from CPAC 2024. And thanks to all our great sponsors. Thanks to Dr. Mike Finari again for being a great friend and a great dentist. Uh, so without further ado, we'll come back. We'll play Tulsi and we will wrap up what has been, I think, an incredibly successful time at CPAC 2024. Matt DeSantis, what do you think? It's a very successful, successful CPAC 2024. I mean, we finally got to meet Tulsi Gabbard in person. We so did. that alone made it a successful trip. And, and, and just to remind you, she only did two interviews yesterday, Steve Bannon and me. And when she came over to me, she said, Bannon sucked. I was better. She said he was the lesser <laughs> interview. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that's what exactly. I don't I think remember happened. hearing her yeah, say she that. Said, she whispered in my ear. Yeah, so, okay. So, I don't yeah, know. She said that in, the, in my ear. <laughs> All right. This is Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Coming right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, here's a special encore presentation of the interview with Tulsi Gabbard, the potential vice presidential candidate of the United States of America, four-term congresswoman, and a woman who has left the Democrat Party because of her love of America. Here you go. All right, it is such an honor to have on the show. Uh, I'm so happy right now. Four-term Congresswoman, 2020 presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard, a combat veteran, 
multiple deployments to the Middle East, currently serving as a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Her first book, For the Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, is on sale now. It's bookstores this April. Pre-order right now on Amazon.com. Tulsi Gabbard, it's so great to see you, my finally, friend. Aloha. Finally. I know. In Aloha. Person. I feel like we're already friends. I've heard your voice over the phone so many times. Yeah. Um, and just appreciate you and, and the heart and concern you've shown, not only for me, but really for our people out there in Hawaii. Well, absolutely. And you are serving our country. Thank you for that. I'm grateful. Your continued service. And you're, uh, you're fighting a good fight here. I know you were on stage today at CPAC talking about the fight against globalism, talking about the threats to America. Yeah. What are the biggest threats to America right now? You know, the biggest threat is actually coming from within. It's, it's coming from within in those who have no qualms about destroying our democracy, taking away our freedom as they pursue power. That's really what it comes down to. We have the Democrat elite. We've got the Washington establishment who are terrified of a free people, a free society, those of us who think for ourselves and will make our own decisions, that they're trying to control everything. They're trying to control who we are allowed to vote for to be our next president and commander in chief. They are trying to control the information we are allowed to see. They're trying to control the things that we're allowed to say, not only through themselves, but indirectly through their friends in big tech and social media. So those who are paying attention are seeing this. There's a lot of Americans who are just living their lives. They're, you know, going to work. They're trying to make sure that they can raise their kids in a, in a good, safe community. They may not be able to see all of the things that those of us like you and I who are right. plugged in watching this stuff every day. And so it, it's for them that I wrote my book, For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, uh, because as someone who was a Democrat for almost 20 years, I've seen a lot, I've learned a lot, experienced a lot, and have never been more concerned for our Democratic Republic than I am right now. This is a pivotal election uh, that every American needs to recognize our responsibility to, to save our country. And you don't say why I left the Democrat Party, which you did, but you say leave the Democrat Party. You yeah. want to save America? Leave the Democrat Party. Unfortunately, That's a powerful message. It is a powerful message, and it's not one that I, I deliver lightly. I, I, I was in the Democratic Party. I was a vice chair of the DNC. I was a member of Congress for eight years. Mm-hmm. I ran in the, the Democratic presidential primary in 2020. I, I did everything I could to try, in, in the hopes of bringing about some change to the party leadership, in the hopes of redirecting the party's focus back to its roots and its foundation, the reason why I joined the party when I was 21 years old, right. bringing it back to a place of being a party of the people, a party that actually wanted to bring Martin Luther King's vision to reality of, of stopping this judgment of people based on race, but judge each other as individuals based on our character, a party that was a big tent party that celebrated free speech, that celebrated the protection of civil liberties, a party that said we shouldn't go to war unless we should ab- absolutely have to. That party is unrecognizable. Uh, I saw going through those elections that uh, when I brought these issues up as I am to you now on the debate stage in 2020, I was booed by those who were there. People who uh, I remember one in particular where Kamala Harris's biggest criticism of me was that I went on Fox News and that I had the audacity to criticize some of President Obama's policies. Uh, my interest has always been about putting the American people first, putting our country first. And when we have leaders, even when they're in my own party, who are not doing that, it's my responsibility to speak up. 
when we have people who care more about power than they do about the people, we cannot allow them to stay in power. And that's really the bottom line about what's at stake in this election. We need to hold our leaders accountable and elect leaders who respect the American people, who respect our freedom, and who value their oath and, and commitment to uphold the Constitution. I mean, here we are at CPAC, and you're a rock star. There's a whole group of people here who would love to see you. You got a big, rousing uh, standing ovation inside the room. You were just with Steve Bannon a short time ago. You join a long list of people who decided the Democrat Party was wrong. Ronald Reagan, my hero, President Trump. Have any of your philosophies changed in the last couple of years? Um, over time, yeah. yeah. I think there are a few things where, where the more I have seen uh, the truth and learned things that I didn't know before, um, my views on some issues certainly have changed. And I think that's, that's important for us all to consider uh, is is to learn from our experiences, to be open to new knowledge, and to have conversations and engage with people who have a different view on things. Maybe you come away still feeling the way you did, or maybe you come away with some questions and some cause for for introspection. I think more than anything, my appreciation for the Constitution has grown stronger. Great. My understanding of our founders' intent in those founding documents and what they meant for us uh, has increased. And, uh, you know, I, I have always been an independent-minded person. I've always done my best to make decisions based on what's best for the American people. Um, my foremost concern now is that our foundation is being eroded by those who are trying to hold to power and will stop at nothing in order to accomplish their goals. that It's a very dangerous thing um, that if we don't take action in this election specifically, I, I am very concerned that we will see changes that will become irreversible and this country that we know and love will become unrecognizable. For love of country, leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has become the party of war. Yeah. And the war machine is humming along. And, you know, I listened to all their nonsense about sending $60 billion to Ukraine. That's going directly to the defense industrial complex right here in America. And they it's celebrate so that, by the way. Right. They, this, I just listened uh, yesterday. There was an interview on Fox News with the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. And she parroted the same line I've heard from President Biden and Kamala Harris and other talking heads within the Democrat Party celebrating that fact as though it's a good thing. They're saying, hey, don't don't worry, American taxpayer, about sending another $6 billion because actually money that's staying here at home feeding into military industrial complex. It's a job creation strategy. Right. It's such crap. And, and the fact that they're proud of this should be very concerning, by the way, as they're saying it's creating jobs. Of that $60 billion, how much of that, Rich, would you say actually goes into the pocket of a guy working in a factory in rural Pennsylvania? A lot less than the lobbyists in the swamp. Exactly. Mm -hmm. A lot less than the corporate bosses mm -hmm. that those lobbyists work for. People who make billions of dollars of profits on the backs of our troops, on the backs of hardworking Americans. It, I, I am personally offended every time I hear them making that argument. Why don't you go and create jobs that actually strengthen our infrastructure, that strengthen uh, uh, you know, the domestic manufacturing industry, bringing that back to life? Why don't you bring real value to our communities rather than selling us a, a quote-unquote economic package with the aim of fueling yet another 
destructive war. Mm -hmm. That does not serve our interests. That undermines our national security interests. There is no part of what they are doing that helps us. Tulsi Gabbard, I'm so happy to hear you say that because you love this country. You you are a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army Reserve. Yes. You care about national security, and you get it because this is not about national security. We have a western border. We have an invasion going on right now. We don't know who's coming over here. Yeah. It, it's it's such a serious issue, and and you know I I understand and can empathize that there are people who are suffering in their home countries and they're seeking a better life. The reality is that we as a country do not have the resources to take in every person in the world who is escaping suffering. We have a lot of suffering right here Mm -hmm. at home. We have a huge homeless problem in my home state of Hawaii. Many cities, both big cities and small towns, have increasing homeless rates, have increasing drug abuse, have increasing crime, unaffordable housing, unaffordable health care. There are so many challenges that we need to address here at home. The national security concern of having millions of people enter this country with no vetting whatsoever They have identified amongst those they have apprehended people who are on the terrorist list. But what about the people they have not apprehended? What about those who they've caught and released? There are so many people uh, coming into our country from countries around the world, people who we know are part of Islamist terrorist groups whose publicly stated objective is to create sleeper cells in our own country that will stand ready to activate at the direction of their leadership. This is a very serious concern uh, and one of the many reasons why we need leaders who who will take immediate action to secure our borders. And the Chinese nationals who are coming in as well, Tulsi Gabbard, that's a major, major problem, obviously. And then, of course, we have the weaponization of government. Yeah. You know, you talk about you, you're, you're really your, I wouldn't say newfound, but your enhanced love of our Constitution. <clears throat> as you talk about in For Love of Country, Leave the Democrat Party Behind, <coughs> your, your love of our Constitution. This is a weaponized government that is going against the chief political opponent of the president of the United yeah. States, using the actual national security powers that we gave them yeah. after 9-11 to bring down the leading presidential opponent of the president of the United States. This is the kind of thing that leaders in our country from both parties have criticized, sanctioned, and attacked leaders of other countries for doing. Mm -hmm. This exact thing. When you have a political individual and party in power, taking these tools and institutions of government and weaponizing them against their chief political opponent, we've Our country has gone to war with other countries over things like this. And yet this is what's happening right here at home. And this is why I focus on this in my book, For Love of Country. It's why I talk all the time about how we have to focus on the threat to our republic that is coming from within. Because this is a threat that will only be addressed and defeated by us. Those in power are terrified of the people. They're terrified of a free society because they know... Even as we may sit at home and fret about how powerful they are and how much money they have, and they've got the mainstream media, they have all of these tools at their disposal, but all of them are terrified because they know when it comes right down to it, if we the people choose to exercise our power, they're gone. They're done. So we need to educate ourselves, inform ourselves, own the power that the founders in our founding documents gave to us Mm -hmm. to make sure that Our government only exists with the consent of the governed. Well, if you're not happy with the government right now, 
take away your consent and choose leaders who will actually put the interests of the American people first. The answer is simple. Uh, It's a very realistic goal that we should have as a country. It's lifting our voices. It's exercising our right to vote. And it's holding our leaders accountable. That's all we got to do. That's it. That's it. For love of country, you left the Democrat Party. Did you get a lot of grief? I mean, you must have. I, I mean, your, your advice. They've been your, giving me grief for a long time. Yeah. I mean, the things, Friends, that, I'm, the things that I'm saying are not things that are, uh, many of them are things that I have been focused on for quite some time. Um, but I think I think Republicans should should salute you and applaud you and, and and welcome that and say you know it takes a lot for somebody to admit hey I was wrong I, I, I my my ideas in the past I was led down the wrong road I think that's incredible about growth and that's our job as people right to grow and to become better it is that's what we it should is. be doing it is in life in relationships mm-hmm. in politics. Uh, to recognize and see those opportunities for growth and to have the courage to stand up uh, and speak the truth. Uh, there are things that I have learned and, 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 uh, and, and experienced that growth on, but I got to tell you, a lot of it has been the extreme direction that the Democratic Party has taken. Uh, my fundamental values really haven't shifted. It's the Democratic Party that has uprooted itself from those fundamental values that they should have been and used to be rooted in and instead began their chase for power, adopting these radical woke ideologies and narratives and and issues uh, all, all to score some political points. They're, they're, you can't really make sense of it because a lot of it is so irrational and illogical. Uh, but it does make sense when you realize that, that they're doing all of it for power. It's like what Ronald Reagan said. He said, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party That's left right. me. Right? That's exactly how I feel. And I, I, I think there's a lot of Americans who feel that way, too. So to your listeners, if you are one of those people, you're not alone. There are a lot of us out there. Uh, I, I have the opportunity to take advantage of some very public platforms to be able to share the reasons that I left the Democratic Party. Whether you do or you don't, um, I, I just want to encourage people to think about what matters most. Not a, as a party affiliation, but really what matters most to every one of us as Americans. And recognize now is a time for us to stand up and, and uh, proclaim our conviction and our, our, our treasuring of peace and freedom. Uh, because like I said... This election is pivotal. I'm, I'm concerned that if we don't make serious changes, uh, the country that we love is going to be lost. And we'll look back with regret saying, gosh, I wish we had done something. Now is the time to do that something. It's very obvious why you are on President Trump's shortlist for Veep Stakes. And I love that idea. <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard, congratulations Thank on the book. It Thank comes you. out soon. Pre-order it now. For love of country, leave the Democrat Party. TulsiGabbard.com. Yes, TulsiGabbard.com. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard on social media. We'll have a lot going on. We'll hopefully be coming to a community near you. I'd love to come and visit your hometown. We would love to host you in Philadelphia. Thank you. Tulsi Gabbard, thank nice you, my to friend. See you. Aloha. Aloha. All right, that concludes CPAC 2024. I want to thank Henry back at the studio, executive producer Matt DeSantis, for pulling off a great week. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed all the interviews. We are so happy to be with you and bring you all this action. You can expect great things in the year ahead, including live convention from the Democrat and Republican National Conventions and so much more. Have a great weekend. Eight, uh, on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, I'm fried. Keep the conversation going. We'll see you Monday. Thank you. 
Bridge Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 